Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kerry, I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottkiwi.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. But for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week in the podcast, singer-songwriter Lights from Canada. Interviewed her in Scotland at King Tut's Wawa Hut. Brilliant singer-songwriter, very, very successful, massive in Canada and an ever-growing fan base in the UK. A sold-out King Tut's, let it be known, it's going to be a good one. Grab a seat, Ron. We're rolling. And I've got Ron North, the producer of the podcast, who is literally... Rolled up a seat. How are we, Ron? I'm good, Scott. How are you? Well, it's been a while. I'm very, 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 very well. I'm um, liking the, the beard you've got you on there. Well, I was going to actually shave it off this morning, and I couldn't be bothered. I think you should just leave it. I think so. Well, yeah. I have. Um, I've just. It's not a fashion statement. It's just laziness. But your beard is considerably um, a lot more. Well, further down the road, shall we say? Yeah, I look like I'm homeless. You said it, not me. <laughs> But I think it looks cool. It's a cool homeless. It's not like um, a, an out-of-fashion type homeless person. Yeah. But beards aside, how's the music going? How's the band? You're recording an EP, I do believe. Yeah, yeah we're recording a wee five-track EP. What it? band? Because I can't yeah. keep up. Uh, that band's called Smile and Regret. Right. It's got... Yeah. Uh, pop punk. So pop when is he recording? Is, it, is the whole thing written? When he's in the studio? Uh, we've actually been in the studio uh, a few nights. Um, we're just at the sort of mix and mastering stage. How's it sound? Uh, it's sounding really good, actually. Is it some of the best work of your career? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we're on episode 49. Next week, by my fast math, is episode 50. Um, and you and I were speaking about it this earlier. Um, we haven't offended anybody in our 49 episodes, which surprises me um, for a start. Yeah. But without question we're going to compensate for that next week we can't announce who's going to be on the 50th episode but there's a lot of anxiety um, on my part and now on your part because you now, now know um, who potentially is going to be on that episode um, and it's it's. Um, I'm terrified Scott yeah um, if it goes ahead it's we're definitely going to pee off Stitcher Radio potentially SoundCloud Definitely iTunes because they like to place a lot of the material that goes up on their server or whatever the hell it's called. But um, 49 episodes in, we've done well. I doubt we're going to offend anybody on this episode. Lights is really cool. She's got nothing offensive to say. Next week, the potential guest that we've got on, different ball game. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely totally. different ball game. Um, so it's been nice knowing you all. We might not reach episode 51. Um, once it comes out. I don't know the exact date, right? The episodes come out on a Thursday, so whenever you're listening to this, it's going to be next Thursday, whatever date that could be. I don't have time to work it out. So 
Go on to scottkibbe.com, check it out, because I'd say the chances are, and this isn't some sort of PR line, okay, the chances are it might be taken down. And yes, I am being serious, because the level of controversy that this person will bring to the table, just the fact of who this person is, for a start, if I did announce it just now, alarm bells would go off left, right and centre, and we might not even get the episode up. It hasn't been recorded yet, it isn't completely confirmed. Episode 50 might be a different person and it might be all singing and all dancing and we continue the podcast as normal or we get the person that we plan on getting on and it all goes up in the air. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. All I'm saying is next week, not only is it a must listen, it is a can't miss. Listen to it while you can. That being said, we've got lights coming up on the podcast. I sold out King Tuts, like I said earlier. It was absolutely brilliant. She's super talented. She is super cool. We're going to get right down to it. It's going to be a good one. Okay, I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Lights. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I've listened. It's an absolute pleasure. And we were just talking about your experiences in Scotland. Tell us about Edinburgh. Yeah. Well, you know, like I haven't had much time in Glasgow, but most of the time we're spending our day offs in Edinburgh. And such a cool place. I mean, there's this giant castle and I, I always bring home like a knife or a weapon from it because I collect weapons. And I think it's just cool to collect weapons from all over the world. And that's kind of what I do. So I went to that castle there, picked up a couple of things and did like the dungeon tour. And that was fun. They put on a little show for you down there, right? right. And there's this hilarious tour guide and like ghosts and all that, and torture chambers. But it's just, it's cool. I mean, we don't have that kind of history in Canada. So we don't get that kind of thing. It's nice. I'm going to ask you what everybody else is thinking. You collect weapons. I do, yeah. Right. What weapons have you got? Well, I, I collect mostly like fantasy weapons, right? Like replica weapons from my favorite video games and movies and that kind of thing. So I've got like everything from the Frostmourne Lich King sword from one of the expansions of World of Warcraft to like Erwin's Blade from Lord of the Rings to the energy, the energy sword from Halo to like medieval weaponry. I picked up like an ancient weapon from Costa Rica when I went there a long time ago. I've got like... 20, 30 daggers and blades and all over my place, you know, from like anime that I read or whatever. I've got a lot of cool things. So if anybody, if, uh, uh, just a kind of warning for all you criminals out there, there's <laughs> one house not to rob, it's yours. Well, that's, that's what I like, that's what people will say and I'm like, well, either that or I'm screwed if someone breaks in because there's like a million weapons for them to choose from. That's also a point. Yeah. Right, but we don't want to encourage criminals no. regardless of no. what weapons. No, so if anything cool. though, like we can bond over something. If a thief comes in there, it's like, oh, I like these weapons, we can get along. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to quote from you, you ready for this? Ready. Do you remember, I don't know if you remember saying this or not, it's such a waste of time just to write stupid shit. That's true. Right, and okay, I don't, explain I do remember this. saying that. I think that music is, I, I, I see it as like a power, as a, a magic, because it doesn't exist. It's not tangible. Mm-hmm. A song can last forever without being written down somewhere. But it affects us so much. And that that to me is like real magic and that's a power and if you're given this power and this ability to create such a thing why would you write something that's a that's just dumb you know that i don't know that that's my perspective on it i mean there's obviously a lot of different kinds of music for different kind different strokes for different folks or whatever but i always like to have sort of purpose behind it and you know move people in the right way and write things people can relate to and you know put your heart and soul into it because People will come up to you and say how the music's affected them and, and you want that to be something positive. Mm. Music can make a moment amazing. And that's what it's all about for me. 
So tell us about this tour then. You're obviously with Ian King Tuts in Glasgow, part of the UK tour. How's it gone so far? How's the show's been? It's good. So good. Good to be back. We're it's the fourth show in and three out of the four have been sold out. So it's nice to come back, you know, almost three years later and and you know, know that I haven't been forgotten about. And tonight's been sold out for a long time. We've always gotten a lot of love in Scotland. And uh, so always the shows are always really memorable and like really sweaty and great. So we, we love to come back here. But yeah, it's been good. I think, you know, there's a lot more shows that come through here, a lot of t- more tours that come through the UK than, you know, maybe some parts of Canada or some parts of the US. Um, maybe because everything's closer together, it's a little easier to tour around here. Like everything's a couple hour drive. Yeah. In Canada, you're like you're lucky if something's only a couple hours away. I mean, everything's pretty far. So if you're playing in the middle of nowhere, Alberta, mm-hmm. they've maybe seen one or two shows in their life on average. So they just kind of stand there. But it's, so it's a different vibe. But here, it's it's exciting and fun, and people love music. So it's a couple hour drive. Talking of driving, we spoke off air about this amazing tour bus that you've got. Yeah. And you recently became a mother. Yeah. And you've got the kind of the new but yeah. new member of the family with you. Tell us all about yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. I get to tour with my family. Um, it just so happens that my husband, who's a musician as well, isn't on tour right now, so he's able to be out here with me. So he's in the bus right now, and she's sleeping, and it's the best. I mean, we're touring the world, playing shows every night. I get to be with my family. Like it's just the best situation possible um and as a as a result we're in a bus this time we're usually in a splitter so a lot of time spent driving and that that part i kind of miss because i miss seeing the landscapes and stopping at marks and spencer and truck stops is best best place um wine cups to go come on but uh yeah and the bus is nice because you just wake up here and then you can wander around and, and i've never had a chance to do that kind of thing Great stuff. Now, you touched on earlier your songwriting um, and it's been from the heart and everything. Talk to us about your songwriting process. What comes first? Lyrics, chords? How's it all work? It usually starts with a con- like a lyrical concept. Um, I always have this ongoing memo in my phone of ideas, words or phrases or you know, verses or something like that. And then when I sit down to write the song, in the whatever I'm feeling at the time, whatever mood that may be, you capture that and, and you know scroll through the lyrics and whatever one moves you most of the time, take that and try to turn that into a song. And um, with whatever concept you're sitting with, that's gonna guide the vibe of the song. So I don't know if I'm feeling really intimate, especially if I'm writing on my own. That usually spawns like a, a slower mid-tempo kind of song where you're really more of an intimate experience. Like a song like Don't Go Home Without Me, one of the songs in the new record, probably one of the most oddest love songs I've ever written and that was just written with me and uh, piano and just speaking your heart you know um, but when I'm sort of in the studio with somebody else and feeling energetic and you're just like kind of hyper you start with a beat you start with a bass you build something energetic and and pick the lyric um, of the lyrics that are moving you that's going to suit that so something like speeding speeding came from that where you just feel in the moment you have this like heavy bass and and I I remember the day I wrote speeding actually I was driving in LA I'd rented a car and I was quite literally speeding and I got a ticket and I thought I felt so good though I had music cranked and the windows down and you feel like you can rule the world and that's a feeling you want to capture so it became about writing something like that so you just kind of it starts with a vibe and an intention and then you just kind of who knows what happens after that it's just kind of wing and I never know what I'm doing but you just build it as build it from there have you ever had that thing they call writer's block have you ever yeah. had that oh yeah right how did you go over that how long did it last for because everybody's different with it yeah. right oh yeah I think every creative person gets hit with that every now and then and um leading up to the, the creation of this album was the worst I'd ever experienced um and I think 
I ultimately figured out that writer's block is a lack of vision. It's not like a talent because you never lose your talent. Right. And that's hopefully encouragement to anybody that's ever dealing with writer's block. You, you've never lost it, although you feel like you have. You just lose your ability to see the bigger picture. And I think it just requires rediscovering sort of purpose in it and why you love doing it because that's what makes you want to do it. Um, ultimately, I think creativity is a muscle and needs to be exercised. And if whatever your art is, is is not feeling inspiring to you at the time, try other things that exercise creativity. So for me, when I was dealing with this, I just avoided writing for a little while and just did paintings, you know, exercise visual art a little bit, and then did poetry, did a lot of poetry. Um, because there's so much... Uh, there's so many things in your head all the time and you just have to get it out. Get all the shit ideas out first so that you can get to the good stuff. So I wrote a poem every night for six months and it wasn't until later that I was able to go back through and be like, okay, that's a good idea. Okay, that's a good one. But in the moment, it's just all, it's just verbal diarrhea, it feels like. And Portal, the first song from the record, came from that. It was one of the poems that I wrote one of those nights where you just don't know what's going on. And later on, you see the potential in it and then build it into something really special. Do you have like a listening committee? You have like two or three people that they're the people that you let you hear your yeah. songs first of all that mm-hmm. decide whether it's any good? Yeah, I think it's important to have a second ear sometimes and there's always sort of one or two people that I show things to solely and they tell you, you know, if it's really good or how to keep going and, uh, you know, what's cool about it or if this is great and and that's that's nice. It's, ni- it's nice to have a second ear because... You have sometimes just have no idea. For, for me, I just write and write. For Little Machines, I wrote 43 songs. And those are the 11 best that ended up on the album. But it's like, who, who knows what people are going to like? Because, you know, Muscle Memory on the album wrote it. It was okay. I mean, I, was, I, was, I wasn't actually, I didn't like it. I was like, all right, moving on, next song. And every single person we showed it to uh, was like, this is an awesome song. This is a great song. Love this. You guys are doing great. I thought they were just blowing smoke up my ass. I was like, no, okay, you're just saying that. But people really liked it, so I revisited it and kind of reworked it so it was something I liked. But it's important to trust other people. I heard that Cindy Lauper didn't like True Colors, mm-hmm. that she didn't like it was one of her biggest songs. So you have to trust your team, I think. Great. Now, that's really interesting because I was going to just ask you that if there was ever a song that you thought it was okay. Yeah. If maybe there was a song that you thought was brilliant and everybody yeah. around you didn't, wasn't so sure. Yeah. So it's always interesting to think that way. Yeah. I mean, I've always, like, really feel strongly about only putting things out you like and if I don't like something I know it and just don't want to touch it but um I was con- I, I can be convinced otherwise I guess <laughs> <laughs> regards to the future is any what musicians would you like to work with that you haven't had a chance to yet a uh, dream collab for me is probably Kanye right you know when I when I was facing the writer's box we were talking about uh, like I just hated everything that I heard on the radio it sounded like so run-of-the-mill and boring and just like like I'd heard it before and I think I knew too much about what was what goes into that stuff like there's writers in a room wanting to make a hit and that's how this comes out you know it was just just really disheartening and uninspiring and 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 Yeezus was the only album that I really enjoyed which was weird because that album doesn't make any sense and it does but it doesn't because it's just all over the place there's no format there's no rhyme or reason for something I think that was what I liked about it it was just like wow, he's doing whatever he wants. Sounds great. Like, and kind of encouraging. Like, this great artist can, this huge artist can and can put something out that is just completely indulgent and, and artist, like, just his artist coming out. And people like it. I liked it. Um, as far as your artist coming out, the video for Up We Go, was that your idea? Tell us all about <laughs> it. Um, it was my idea to make uh, a one-take, sh- like, 
uh, video with all a lot of stuff going on. So I, that was my only thing. It was just let's try to make something that's a one shot video with a lot of chaos. Take it from there, you know. And and the director Alan took it to like a whole other level he's like okay we're gonna do this elevator and it's gonna have all these things happening and this and that and this and that and i was just kind of like all right if you think you can make that happen in one take i'm down let's try it because we've done a one take before for a a song called second go but it was um we had done we'd slowed the song down in halftime so that when you sped it back up to normal time it was all really choppy and fast and looked cool so a you had more time to do everything and b it was only me in it for the Up We Go video, there's like 50 people in it and there's all these moving parts and so many elements and so many layers. And halfway through the day that we were filming it, it was a 14-hour day. I was just like, this is not going to happen. There's no way we're going to be able to do this. We did it, I guess. By 11, you know, we started that morning and finished at 11 o'clock that night. It was like, so the 14th hour was the filming. That was the one take. That, that was, the, that was the last take of the day. Because right. I don't know if you watched through to the reveal and at the end it pulls back and shows the set and everything. And everyone's, and, and Alon goes, that's a wrap, you know, and everyone loses their minds because everyone's in there all day working their asses off and finally we got it. So everybody must have been really nervous because there's a lot going, especially <laughs> yeah. you at the front. Totally. You don't want to mess up, And right? even in that take, I mean, I like did a couple of things I, I l- wouldn't have done if, you know, I mean, like I looked down at the makeup couple, for example, and I wasn't supposed to look at them, but I couldn't help it. Right. And uh, so, I, you know, I wouldn't have done that if you had more takes and stuff, but it was like, you can't, you have to take what you can get at that point because it's late and... <laughs> Tonight, is it the full band? Yeah. Right, okay. So you've done, obviously done lots of acoustic shows before. Yeah. What do you prefer? What's best? Depend on what you're singing? Would you like? It's different. They're all different. I mean, I really love doing full band shows. It's super energetic and dynamic. It's a performance. People can lose themselves in it because it's just, there's so many layers of sound and, and light and it's just a lot of cool energy that you get to be involved in and you can feel part of. Everybody's singing along. It's just what I want to do right now. I think I, right now I prefer that, but there's different phases. Just like there's sometimes you want to be touring and sometimes you want to be writing. Um, when you do, a, when I do acoustic shows, it's a lot more intimate and a lot more pressure on me to, to sustain the show. I mean, every tiny bit of banter has to be spot on. And right. if you fuck up a note or something like that, everyone notices. So it's, it, it's a, it's really good exercise as a performer and, and everyone's singing along. It's just really intimate experience with the crowd. And there, there's something really, really wicked about that. But the stage I'm at right now, I just want to play this album full and it sounds great. One last question. Notice in the net today, you play a bunch of different instruments. The coolest, you play the guitar, <laughs> the keyboard guitar. I haven't played the guitar in a long time, actually. But you know why? I started playing that because I, I was playing keyboards in every song. And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm stuck in one spot. I can't go anywhere. What's this amazing thing that allows me to play keyboard and move around? You know, I felt like there was this freedom to it. So it was out of practical, it was out of practicality that I decided to start playing the guitar. And then eventually people were like, oh, there's that chick that plays the guitar. Yeah, it's so sick. No, it is like, it became kind of a shtick and I, I just kind of put it away. I just like, okay, they're just my mementos of the past now. I think you should do an 80s album. With, uh, <laughs> well, this album's kind of 80s sounding. Right. But I think just you just on the stage. Just 80s with, covers? Yeah, with the guitar, just no band, no nothing. Yeah, just drum press machine play sound. and a drum machine. I, I just played, hit the demo button. Yeah, that and put awesome. a big giant like wig on. I, I think so. I, I remember, have you seen the film Big? With the, yeah. the keyboard, get one of them out. Fantastic. I love those. Just run around on it. That would be great stick, actually. There you go. It's, that's all happening <laughs> next to That's what you've got to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> enjoy tonight. Enjoy the rest of the tour. Thank you. And um, I'm sure it's going to be a blast tonight, King Tats. You sticking around? I will, certainly. Awesome. As long as you're playing keto. <laughs> <laughs> 
There we go. Another view of lights. And I forgot to give you the 411 on this, okay? Um, a little bit of background noise in that interview because we were at King Touch recording in the production office. I just whistled there when I said whatever I said there. Did you notice that? Did you? I, I whistled when I was referring to the lights interview that we just conducted at King Touch. I sold out King Touch weeks in advance. Anyway, um, apologies for the uh, little bit of background noise we were recording. That's what it is, man. Rock and roll. We weren't in a flaming high-tech studio. We were in the production office in King Touch, and we were talking about the mass weapon collection that Lights um, has in her house. There you go. That's the kind of stuff that we like to talk about on our music podcast, Weapons and Shiz. Ron, how are we? Did we enjoy listening to the interview back? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant, Scott. Lights is cool. She's Canadian. Um, yeah, she's Canadian. <laughs> there you go. There's, uh, if there's ever anything to describe someone by, it's their nationality. That being said, I bumped in a lot of people I knew um, at King Touch. It was really, really cool. As we know, it's a fantastic venue. You've gigged there a few times. Yeah, it's really good. Probably one of the most underestimated venues in the UK. Yeah, I mean, people do know the reputation they're going to be king to us, the fact that Radiohead Oasis, we all know the story, these dacks um, kind of propelled their career playing there, to, for want of a better term. But nobody goes on about the fact that the sound is so good in King Tuts, especially when you're on stage, those booming monitors coming back at you. It's brilliant, and Lights stormed the stage the other night in Glasgow. Check it, she's currently on her UK tour, as we all know. Check out the dates on her website. Um, follow her on Twitter, on Facebook, IamLights.com is the website, um, and that you can find her Facebook, you can find her Twitter, very active on her social media, so tweet her, you may get a reply, who knows. What else has been happening in the world of Ron then? Nothing much really, Scott. SSDD. SSDD. Do you know what that stands for? I certainly do. The same s- different day. We're trying not to swear, ladies and gentlemen, because this is the episode that we don't want to be controversial in, because as we said earlier, if you missed it, next week is going to be the time where we make up for a lack of controversy in the past 49 episodes, because we have a certain guest coming on, and now that we're speaking about it, the atmosphere in the room has changed into something that's very, um, it's an anxiety-filled room now, because we're starting to think, are we actually going to reach episode 51 now? This might be the end of the Talk Music Podcast. It's been nice knowing you, ladies and gentlemen. It has been an absolute blast. And this this actually gets me really worried talking about this, because we've interviewed Tommy Emanuel, we've interviewed Julian Lennon, we've interviewed Stuart Copeland, Nathan East, Carol Kay, the list goes on and on and on, Larry Graham, all these people. And genuinely, it's been amazing the last 49 episodes getting an opportunity to chat to all these people. I missed out lights in that list there. And she's on this episode. How disrespectful yeah. is that? We don't, we're not going to edit it. I think people will know. People will know. Yeah, yeah know. she's in there. She's in amongst that crew of great musicians. But this is the worrying thing. Next week, if this person brings to the table what they usually bring to the table, we might not reach episode 51. <sighs> so, but episode 50, it's a good, nice number to end it yeah. on. But anyway, hopefully that won't be the case. We're genuinely, we're not trying to be negative, we're just being realistic. Ladies and gentlemen, absolute pleasure. Check out scottcowie.com, listen to all our previous episodes. I mentioned some of the fantastic artists that we've got on the go. Check out scottcowie.com for that vodcast to Carol Kay. We might not reach 51 podcasts, but you'll definitely have another vodcast up there with Carol. Absolute legend. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks to Lights. Thanks to Bobby, her tour manager. Hey, Bobby! For sorting out that interview, we'll see you guys hopefully, hopefully next week. If not, nice knowing you, and thanks for a good career.
because it may well be the end one. Oh no. See you guys later.